0: stage is leaving in about 15 minutes. Now look here, Marshal, whatever your name is... Name's McCabe. Guthrie McCabe.
1: Well, Jim, good to
0: see you. Good to see you. My orders are to oh. accompany you to Fort Grant.
1: He'll find our son.
0: I know he will. You can't send a troop into Comanche territory without breaking the peace treaty. One false move, and you have
1: another Indian war on your hands. I'm
0: giving you an order. Oh, I've taken just about all the
1: orders I can stand. You don't bluff me. I haven't drawn on very many men, but when I did, I wasn't bluffing. You talk good Comanche. I do all right. You better start talking. you ever mm. buy your own cigar?
0: Sure. What two last pay That It was three months ago. Oh, you. Oh, you.
1: This is the Masters of Cinema cast. My name is Joachim. and my name Tom. And today we will be talking about Spine Number 158, John Ford's Two road Together from 1961, uh, based on a novel uh, I found out doing research for this film, which I've never heard of, Comanche Captives by Will Cook. Um, but um, you were the one that actually suggested this film, Tom, so um, tell us why. <laughs> well, to be brutally honest with you, it kind of
0: came about because... I was thinking about what genres of films that I need to watch more of. Or indeed, I, I f- sort of fall into a trap sometimes with, with, with genres, where I tend to watch the same films from a given genre over and over again, and I don't really kind of branch out and look at more. And one of those ones I noticed there was a certain gap in my viewing was the Western So um, the kind of Master Cinema Collection is no stranger to the Western, as we know. And John Ford is one of those directors who I know him by, I would probably say, his classics. Um, I don't really know more about the the kind of i don't want to use the term lesser films that he makes but they're kind of the slightly less well-known ones as it were and when this one um decided to come into the collection when it was picked up by master cinema um i was quite interested in it um i liked jimmy stewart i like richard winmark and i yeah I, I wanted to kind of familiarize myself with with more of ford's work and uh, yeah this kind of proved a kind of a, a, a timely excuse to dive in
1: yeah i mean um are you uh, a fan of John Ford in general, or are you well acquainted with him? Or
0: yeah, I am indeed. I mean, I, I again, it's it's one of those. I like the classics for sure. Yeah. In, um, there's a few. Like the man who shot Liberty Valance um, mm-hmm. is, is one of my favourite westerns. Um, I I would, I would probably say, and I I, I somehow I feel a bit kind of uh, ignorant sense, but my my favourite of his films is The Searchers for sure. <laughs> um, I, I, I guess it's kind of a lot of people's default uh, Western and probably their default John Ford film. I haven't seen all of his films, I've seen a, you know, a, a smattering of them, but that's the one that always kind of um, stands out for me. Mm. Um, it's a film which I, I've had the pleasure of seeing it on the big screen as well. And it was one of those sort of film experiences that stayed with me for quite some time. And it, it's another one when you go to when you study film in any kind of great detail, it's always the the film that kind of stands out for its for, for the themes of it the that shot of Ethan walking out you know through the mm. door. I mean it is it's it's splattered across almost every film textbook you'll ever come across, and it's a great film. There's just no
1: getting away from that. Absolutely. Uh, one of the films that I watched, uh, or the film that I watched um, when preparing to talk about this movie was the searches and we'll get into it more but uh, that is an absolutely stunning film i forgot how how like eye-catching and just grabbing that whole film is it immediately like grabs you in just by the visuals and then you're uh, so invested in all the characters and uh, yeah there are some uh, Similarities and themes, but I think, um, like investment-wise and characters, uh, The Searchers is on a another plane for me. Yeah,
0: I think yeah, it's it's so iconic, and Mm -hmm. when you think of a western, even if someone hadn't seen The Searchers and you ask them to kind of think about what was the kind of most iconic things in Westerns, I'm sure they would write down almost everything that you see in that film, you know, Monument yeah. Valley and the Homesteaders. And the John Wayne character in that is such a, an, interesting, uh, an interesting character because throughout the film, I remember when I, when I first saw it when, it, when I had the, the realisation that Ethan's plan is to kill her. Mm. That that always that always shocks me, and the mm. bit where obviously spoiler alert he doesn't uh, never fails to get me, and that, the kind of the fact that he walks off into the sunset, you know, he is going to be the perpetual loner. He is completely kind of outcast from civilization, and it, it, it's the classic. I mean, it's such an. I mean, it's it's the archetypal American genre, isn't it? It's, it? it's it's a fascinating film and a fascinating genre, and I definitely think that just when i was like kind of preparing for this episode um i need to watch more westerns and i need to kind mm. of get off go off the beaten path a little bit and want to watch more of the anthony Mann ones and i mean mm. my darling clementine as well i mean that's in the criterion collection and that's another great john ford film which i really enjoyed
1: mm. um two road together is uh, the first of three collaborations with jim stewart and john ford the other two being the man who shot liberty valence as you mentioned and also cheyenne autumn i don't think i've seen that one actually i have seen uh, cheyenne autumn actually um mm-hmm. and that's a
0: uh, that's a great film for testing out your projector on um it's a 70 millimeter really big big film um oh, nice. it's, it's quite a lot i mean it's, i seem to remember it, it goes on a little bit too long perhaps but um yeah it's definitely one to work uh, to, to uh, to give the kind of projector a good working out it really is crying out for a blu-ray release actually that one um mm. in fact in fact it would be i think it would be more than welcome in the master of cinema collection um but yeah definitely i would i would recommend checking it out
1: mm. um getting into uh two roads together the story is a native american tribe that have kidnapped a number of white people from their families over the years and relatives are starting to demand that the army help them find long-term captives and the army enlists the aid of Marshal Guthrie McKay played by Jamie Stewart and the setup of this film is quite similar to The Searchers and I think it was written by the same writer Frank Nugent um, from what I could uh, understand yeah but the one big difference between the two is like the lack of Action. This one deals more with greed, hypocrisy, racism, and the consequences of these traumatic events. Um, the focus is more heavily on. It, it tries, at least for me, to focus more heavily on character development and not on the shootouts, but the aftermath and the consequences of this, and not just about the rescue itself, which is where the searches is, is more inclined to focus on.
0: Yeah, it's. There's, there's many strands to it mm. in, in regard to how it tackles the subject. There's the, firstly, there's the political element to it, which is the government is being forced to act regarding this issue. And when I was looking into this, and I mean, I didn't realise to the extent of what the amount of people that were, were being taken by tribes, I mean, it was, it was in the tens of thousands of people would be taken. Um, especially kind of those kind of living you know, really far out in, in the wilderness. And these people, when they were taken, had one, one of three fates, really. Number one was that you'd be tortured to death, um, normally very, very slowly and painfully. Second, you'd be forced into slavery, um, where you'd probably die from mistreatment. And thirdly, the other aspect was... Especially with the children, would be that they would become integrated into the tribal cultures. Um, often, they would be married off quite young, and this is another issue which I think the film goes into the um, the sexual shame mm. of what could happen. Um, we see that uh, in the character of um, Linda, isn't it? Mm. No, no, sorry, um, Elena, mm. Sorry, yeah, yeah, and. But what would often happen with, like, people would lose their children. Um, then they would turn up many, many years later. They would be married. They would have children themselves. And there would be a great deal of soul-searching to, with families trying to get their children back into society. And what would often would happen, and we see it again in this film, is that sometimes they would be extremely hostile to that happening. They simply wouldn't remember... Um, having been taken or they, they would only have very, very, very scant memories of their early life. Mm. And obviously it would cause... A great, I mean, I can imagine it would been absolutely awful for a family to come back and then, you know, here's your child, but they don't recognise you, they don't speak their language for all intents and purposes, they have nothing in common with you anymore. And the, the trauma of that and the desperation of that situation is explored in this film, the fact that some of the families will literally take anyone just so they can call them their son and obviously in the case of this film it has disastrous consequences and Mm. it does feel like the film is a bit more cerebral perhaps than Mm -hmm. the the typical western, this isn't like you said this isn't the the, the cavalry turning up to rescue people, the actual prisoner exchange is purely transactional of sorts, there's no it's you know, can we have them back, Well, it's going to cost you type of an arrangement and I think what kind of the Frank Nugent is trying to do is to kind of show does this have a kind of trans, what effect has this situation had on these people does it have a transformative effect on the characters and does it change the societal mind of the homesteaders in the film now to what
1: degree it achieves this I'm not entirely certain yeah it seems like it's uh, the running time doesn't reflect things interesting themes that we are discussing i mean mostly it deals with uh characters who are kind of horsing around and fighting these silly (laughs) silly fights uh and it's occupied with so many other aspects of the story than dealing with the hostages and consequences of being held captive i mean once it gets past the hour mark and we deal we start dealing with the hostages and these transactions as you were talking about we we start getting into the nitty-gritty themes of it and how do we deal with these survivors and their mental faculties who have i mean certainly there are ptsd Uh, victims here and the consequences of being held captives for so many years uh, that is when things are really interesting for me Um, and I feel like the main concern here is almost white bigotry which is an interesting uh, twist um, where some of the captives have formed out of necessity uh, quite a solid relationship with uh, Native Americans and how breaking those Bonds is not quite as easy as white people would like to think. Uh, it doesn't feel like Nugent is uh, terribly uh, kind on how white people thought of um, the choice of, uh, or the theme of choice in, in these situations, how you're basically doing what you have to do to survive. Yeah, I think, I mean, kind of like backtrack a little bit. I I think the fundamental problem
0: with this film, and it comes back to John Ford's role in it, which is he was on this as a director for Hire. He was doing Mm. it as a, well, basically for the money. He was paid $250,000 and I think 20% of the takings. And I think he did it as a favor to the head of Columbia Pictures. And I think that's quite telling in the approach to the film. Because I think if it was a John Ford film, a proper John Ford film, that was a project that he had kind of worked on and he had been kind of you know, gestating for a for of years, I think a lot of what you're talking about would be handled a lot better than it mm-hmm. is. As it happens, I think the, the issue that I have with this film is that... I feel like it's a, He's just going by the. He's just literally filming the script. I don't. I. I wouldn't imagine there's been a great deal of, you know, looking at the actual kind of the beats and the framing of of Not scenes all, no. and how they flow, and what you have is there's a kind of a juxtaposition in this film of incredibly serious and really quite, I, I think, penetrating commentary. Mm-hmm. on like you say like white bigotry like the fact that with um, Elena this, this horror that she might have had sex with Stonecalf and the fact that the women are actually looking at her like this, she's like solid goods as it were but then mm-hmm. what you'll find in this film is there'll be I mean McCabe's film we can talk about you know, in, in more detail but there'll be a scene with McCabe telling these parents quite bluntly that they should just forget about their children. Mm-hmm. That they—they what their image of their little child is—is is completely gone. They've com- they've moved away from that to something completely different. He even says that they should have long hair, or they'd have put him through some sort of torturous ritual to become a man, and they should just forget about him. That's all quite. That's that's really interesting stuff. That's quite deep. It's quite meaningful. It's quite moving. It's something which, you know, I'm not a parent, but I can only imagine the horror of hearing something like that. You know, uh, you know, Mm. if you found out your child had been kidnapped and was now living in Greece, you you know, you you would never stop wanting it. And it has this weight to it. And then the next thing you will see is a stupid slapsticky fight. Or I mean, I'm, I'm a firm believer that something's either funny or it isn't. I don't I don't think I'm there's much. i do not tend to find much in between. I don't sort of like snigger at something. I'll either laugh or I won't laugh basically. Mm-hmm. And I know that the humor in this film is from a different time. But I can't imagine anyone finding what this it, it, any of this kind of funny. There's that painful scene between Jimmy Stewart and Richard Widmark where they kind of sat on the side of the river and they're just talking and it's like it's not funny. It, the the beats are obvious. It's just ploddy dialogue for the sake of dialogue. And it it doesn't do the film any favors whatsoever because Mm. you find yourself being taken out of it. And I think it kind of gets messier and messy, messier this film. And I think half the problem is, is everything John Ford wanted to say on this subject, he's already done it in The Searchers and he's already Mm. done it a lot better. And this film I think is trying to retread very, very similar territory. And what you kind of get is this, we'll just throw everything at the wall and see what sticks. And what sticks are, there are some good scenes, but as you sort of say, if you're gonna go down the path of going kind of a deep, more cerebral or thinking man's Western, then I don't see how you can do, achieve that by having all this kind of nonsense superfluous crap going on and mm. I'm, like you say at the hour mark i'm like where is this film going What what's it saying what's it doing
1: and it feels like ford is leaving it entirely up to the the actors and especially jimmy stewart and his you could call it charm <laughs> and it solely relies on that to simply carry the film because he's not Ford is truly not committing to this film. I mean, visually, this is a quite boring film in my eyes. The the scene you're talking about where they are sitting on the bank of the river, it goes on for five minutes and it's a one-shot scene.
0: Do you know, there is is a bit of a story behind that shot. I don't know if you're familiar. There is a reason, possibly, for why um, that shot went like that. Um, Ford was not at all happy. He described this film as a piece of crap as well, by the way. And yeah. he, um, he wasn't happy with the crew. And that river they were standing waist deep in was absolutely freezing, apparently. And the reason he stuck it there on the camera for that amount of time was he wanted to piss the crew off. <laughs> so, I mean, I don't even know if that's true. But it sounds like John Ford. <laughs> it, it does, yeah. I mean, it sounds like it's true. And it, it at least explains how boring that scene is because i i just feel like he said to, to the to jimmy stewart and Richmond Mark, you're know, off you go guys yeah. and they're having this kind of conversation where i mean there's a couple of amusing bits where he kind of talks about the garter or something like that and he agrees with him implying that he was sleeping with his woman as well and it, it's like that but you just sort of sat there going what's the point in this mm. what, where's this going what, what, what's this doing you is it progressing the story is it letting us know about these characters because you know, what is the point in that and th- that's what I, I, I became so aware of the fact that this was being phoned in and yeah. there wasn't the heart and the soul of it and I don't know when you keep going back to the searches but watch that film I mean you know it's you can tell everything in that film you know John Ford is just at the top of his game Mm. and with this he's dialed it back and he's tried to make I guess I don't know if he's tried to make it but it it does feel like it feels like an anti-Western Western Western where Mm -hmm. they've gone like we're not going to use any visual cliches we're not going to use the same I mean I think some locations were actually um, they were from the Alamo film that John Wayne was making but there's this sort of sense I feel where everything is just reined back in and i'm I'm fine with that you know I'm, Im I'm all for people challenging and trying to evolve a genre by not sticking to the tropes that everyone's familiar with, but I don't even think that's the aim here. I think it's just I'm just going to turn up I'll do what I have to do to get this film made. I'm not really going to try and do anything that inventive hmm. and the proof is in the pudding of this film. there is no. There's no vistas, is there? There's no, no, it's like, we're going to go and find this tribe. And the next thing, they're sort of in this clearly clear set with with, with the tribe. There's no, you you know, I can live with not seeing Monument Valley. I can live with not seeing flowing waters and mountains and stirring scores. If what you're giving me makes up for that. In its in the, the kind of how compelling the story is or how interesting it is, but you don't get that in this film. And mm. you, well, I would much prefer it if it did tread down the visual cliche. If you if you showed me a film that was just beautiful to watch, if it was like the baraka of westerns, I could ignore the stupid stuff and mm-hmm. I could I, I could go oh Christ, that's amazing. You know, look at that. But you don't get that
1: with no, two yeah. road
0: together. You just have oh, let's go and talk to this lot poorly filmed scene you know shot reverse shot possibly a bit of a punch up mm. oh we need to go and talk to someone else and it's just like that and it just it feels almost like yeah a, a low budget retread of, yeah.
1: a, of a film that's already been made i mean it, it hinges on or uh, it feels like it's trying to tell a story about character development but all the characters are so stereotypical and cardboard without any sort of depth and also the way that Jimmy Stewart plays it it just it doesn't ring true to me it feels like he's trying to do an, a John Wayne impression and a badly one at that so I think I feel like he played similar parts in Anthony Mann films from the 50s but in those ones there was like a psychological underpinning of some neurotic character and the tense moments quote-unquote uh, between the characters here are mostly throwaway and when you try with try that with humor that falls flat for me and most of the the emotional points they don't have any power in them I feel it lacks any like vibrancy or any spark that lifts it up from this vanilla plane script that they are dealing with and what little is there is undercut by this slapstick bullshit that we've been talking about and like yeah it, it for me it, it really does it really does go up a level when it starts dealing with these um, these captives but then once the boy has been lynched the air goes out of the movie again uh, and there's still ten minutes left, and I just can't wait for it to get over. Yeah, the, the sort of the Jimmy Stewart
0: issue of this. Do you believe at the start of that film he's really a badass?
1: No, because this is this is the thing. I feel like John Ford is. He has this um, notion that a guy with his feet up on the porch, that's a badass. Yeah. Um, that's that's like a, a shortcut. I feel like this entire film is a shortcut.
0: Uh, yeah, he's he, he's he's kind of a bit edgy at the start because that's what the scripts, yeah, told him that's that's what he's going to be like. And there's that you know I don't believe that he's, um, you know, corrupt but he, he, no. he, is, he is corrupt because the script's telling us that he's corrupt because other Jim people Jimmy Stewart doesn't play him that way yeah yeah other all. people are always talking about how corrupt he is but you mm. don't see him being corrupt you don't mm. see him like you know a, a way you know, I would have perhaps started this film of him doing his rounds in that town you know oh hi mm-hmm. Mr. Undertaker you yeah, know I noticed you f- four bodies got went through oh well you know business is good yeah business is good where's my cut yeah you know, in, in you know, just actually seeing him do things like that, I, I'd be more inclined to believe it. And seeing how he plays people and seeing the interactions that he has with them, but instead I he's mean, just he's just on the porch waiting there like wire up. Yeah. And but we
1: do it, get like small scenes with the families, but it doesn't. He feels uh, like the scenes that have come before, uh, where he starts negotiating with these families. The scenes that got before that has shown uh a kind man, a marshal that takes care of his own.
0: Yeah, I, 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 I need him to be bad. I need him to be rotten to the core. Yeah. For, in order for me, because he seems like he seems like a bit of a bad guy, and a kind of a nice guy sort of depends on how you get him really depends what mood he's in mm-hmm. and simply having him you know like you said i mean that bit where you know he's in the tent and he's kind of negotiating with a guy and the guy's just like get any old person you know my wife won't mind i mean <laughs> yeah you know, yeah all right that, that scene but i want him to i think in order for this film to work he has to be awful at the mm-hmm. beginning he can't be this sort of you know in-between type of a person because the journey from being that to what we get at the end doesn't quite feel it, it doesn't feel complete to me i don't feel like i really seen this character fundamentally changed by this experience and it is the jimmy stewart problem it's it's hard to ever see him i mean i i i, I could he goes into full-blown frank capra mode at the end of this film mm. where you know he's kind of you know Lecturing everyone on, you know, why can't they kind of everyone just get along and you know, all this kind of thing. But I mean, I always think about like Henry Fonda in Once Upon a Time in the West. Yeah, yeah, that's when you take a, a Hollywood icon. And, and absolutely turn him into the worst human being on earth and it works Henry Fonda in that film is utterly terrifying and mm. he's thoroughly evil you don't need to notch it up that much in this film because I think tonally like you said because if you're going to have these kind of moments of slapstickiness if he's just an awful person if he's Henry Fonda and then he suddenly goes into that it, you know, it wouldn't work either but I just wanted I think that there needed to be more nuance in the script and it needed mm. to be slightly tighter and a little bit and you know Less ambiguous, really, as to what this guy because it's it like I said, it's, it feels like a stick film. Mm-hmm. It's just sort of bumbling along with these kind of moments between these two cat these old friends and you know it doesn't f- I, I I didn't I don't feel like I'm getting the, the character nu- nourishment that I like. You know Richard winmark I I, you know, I think he is more interesting in this film certainly his character is, but. Mm-hmm obviously again this film is playing to an audience so then we have to have the injection of the romance into this film which is which is another thing which just began to wear on me because all of a sudden and it's that hollywood thing isn't it you know he meets this girl they have a bit of a conversation and then there's this sort of oh you know i'm just a humble soldier and i don't earn much and Maybe you can wait for me when. Oh, fucking. Oh, it's like, yeah, oh, Craig. <laughs> you know, but I, I, I want, I want to find out about the families, you know, because that's because. Yeah. Again, as well, you know, you, you have this sort of. You, we've got to have the romances, and obviously the one between Guthrie and Elena. That's obviously, you know, they are the titular two row together, and the other, mm. that's 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 the thing. But you don't need the other one, the Richard Winmark one. That's just total again it's just fluff that's being chucked in yeah. to kind of give you the illusion that something's happening with this character the Richard Widmark character his role in this film with Jimmy Stewart is to make wisecracks yeah. that's, he, he's meant to be like the foil isn't he You know, he's the kind of the conscience of him speaking as it were you know, and again, it, it, I just find it, it just detracts that, that, that painful saying, oh, I might be coming back soon. It's a lonely life. Shut up. <laughs> you know, get on with it. And it, like, like you said, I mean, at that stage, you are looking at the watch. And then, obviously, the film goes back into this deadly serious mode when this kid's about to get lynched. for st- And that's, that's again, I'm like, this is good. This, this whole stuff with the, the mum... Cutting the sun free and mm-hmm. he turns around and kills. That's big, weighty stuff. There is mm-hmm. genuinely interesting things being said about cult- the cultural divide, this issue of. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a it's an obsession, isn't it, in, in kind of film? I mean, in, in the Western, I mean, we know we go, you know, the idea of ch- these children being taken and we've, we see it in the searches, you know, dance with rewards. It's a recurring theme throughout Western genre and it, you know, it, it, it's obviously something which is there in American culture in the American psyche we know that there's you know racial issues in America and the idea of contamination of white culture is something that has never gone away in America and certainly in, and, and, in, and in this I feel like that's what I want the film to be about but again it just goes off in stupid directions and yeah. I'm just sat there thinking well the searchers did this a lot better yeah and, and, and that, that's I cannot get myself over that hurdle. of Try and think of a reason whereby you would watch two row together again. I mean, the only reason was doing a podcast I would Yes say. Yeah, I mean I've watched it twice in preparation for this podcast, but after yeah. I'm done with it now. I can't think of a reason why if I was going to do, like, you know, I was going to write down, and I do this sometimes, I'll get right, right, I'm going to look at the um, films in the American U wave, and I'll get a list together and I'll start working my way through it. You know, I'll go and do some research and see what, you know, the other kind of, the hidden gems are and you know, I'm going to do it with the Western. I can't see why this film would be of any interest no. to go back it's to. It's more
1: of a, an interesting um, film in Ford's filmography um, when compared to the searches. I think... It, it's interesting in its failure but I don't yes. think it does anything interesting on its own no I d- it
0: doesn't say it doesn't say anything that hasn't already been said before or challenges it doesn't challenge you to think I don't think mm. I'm sorry I challenge you to think I don't think I'm using about, but <laughs> It doesn't, it doesn't challenge the audience enough. Mm. I think it well, it would have been a lot better, I think, if they had just really looked at the script and just stripped away all the superfluous crap that we've been talking about. And literally, you could even... I mean, I, I don't like doing this saying, because you, know, you have to judge the film by what you get, not what you wanted it to be. Mm. But I think a more interesting approach would be get those people back and then do a film about how that then affects... affects the society of this film how do you take someone who was taken at four years old, has been a a warrior for an Indian tribe and then you put him back into this, into the western into this kind of, you know, the saloon environment see how that plays out and then you can still build up to this kind of you know, you can still get to the emotional beats, you can still get to your murders and all that kind of thing but it's at least something way more interesting than Mm. this kind of Ploddy, well, we'll go here, we'll go there, we'll see what's over here, we'll do this, we'll have a bit of that, a bit of romance, a bit of fun. It's just like, you've lost me, film. I don't understand why I'm watching you. I don't know what I'm getting out of this.
1: Mm. Another thing that, for me, it's it's hard to come to terms with um, is how it depicts the, the Native American society. I mean, on the back of Master Cinema, it says that it was one of the first Westerns to recognise... The dignity and value of the native american way of life but for me i mean the way it depicts stone calf not only is it played by woody strode <laughs> that's the thing but um i mean the scene where he f- first is introduced i mean he's some demonic figure with a headpiece that i don't think is Actually, Comanche in the first place, and then when he appears out of nowhere after McCabe and Alaima, they, they are fleeing. <laughs> yeah, He's, he, he, I mean, it feels like here comes this character. He's violating white man's space. He's shot, and that's over. Yeah, there's no. I mean,
0: I mean, it's like because it, even that, even that scene in a, a better film, that's a that's a massive moment in another film. Yeah. that kind of that those two get, and it's instead he's like yeah literally he turns up looking like the guy out of the village people <laughs> yeah. gets shot and it's like oh that's that done you know and move on right off we go you know yeah. it's alright he didn't sleep with her and I mean <laughs> they, they say you know I mean it's a fair depiction of their culture R- really how yeah 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 <laughs> Really? I mean and if you watch the trailer for the film as well, it's like this is the most realistic Western made to date. I'm thinking <laughs> realistic if, if you base Westerns as being your realistic portrayal of the Western, then yeah. yes, I suppose it's very realistic. But I mean I'm actually watching um the series at the moment, The West, um the one that Ken Burns produced. Mm-hmm. Um and I mean it's fascinating, you know. The, the, the rules that were brought in regarding Indians. I mean, you know, you could make an Indian work for you for life if your friend said that was okay. Mm. You, you know, that people literally would hunt them for fun. And, you know, their culture was annihilated. And in this film, uh, I don't think it, it... It just reinforces the fact that... I mean, it reinforces the stereotype, doesn't it? All they want to do is take pe- white people, rape them and murder them. Mm. And you know when they do come back, well, there's absolutely no chance that they could ever possibly be reintegrated back into society because they've been living with these savages for so long. Just look at them, yeah. You know, and then and then it's very telling, isn't it, that the one character who Jimmy Stewart you know, goes away with is is Eleanor. She's not like she, she's not I don't know like mixed race is she or anything like that. She's no. ex- she's acceptably. Like, I mean, she's Hispanic, but she's acceptable in the film's Mm -hmm. conservative eye, you know, and and the fact that the film goes to, to great lengths, she hasn't had sex with him. You know, yeah, you, you know, that's that's all right. Don't worry. She's just spent a bit of time with these people. She is kind of pure, so it's acceptable for James Stewart to go yeah. off with her at the end. You know, she's not damaged goods, as it were. And yeah, I, I think the film has a yeah you know, very it has a very conservative, restrained view. And I I don't for a second think that this is an accurate portrayal of
1: anything. No, and I was wondering what happened to the barmaid that I thought McCabe had a relationship with her. And we don't even get a conclusion to that relationship at the end of the film. It feels like he just he ran off with the Mexican girl uh, and just left her because he's scared of commitment. I,
0: I, <laughs> I think it's because I, mean, it, I, th- I think because I think she's a lot of people's boyfriend, isn't she? I think that's what the film implies. Ah, uh, okay. And I think yeah. The, the, their relationship it's one of you know it's one of convenience I think I dare say and again it's one of the points about the film we don't spend enough time with him in that town to really kind of get what he's about yeah. or really see him operating in this way we just have other people constantly reinforcing the fact that he's a bit of a bad guy There's mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's just sort of like oh yeah he's a baddie you know blah de blah and again she's just, she's just one of those poorly underwritten characters who's just kind of disposed of at the end
1: yeah and also, uh, you mentioned the love interest uh, between Widmark and that young girl. I mean, he looks like he's forty-five, and she's seventeen. Or yes, yeah,
0: it's, it again, is
1: quite disturbing.
0: Yes, yeah. Well, I mean, it's 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 um, what's it? Um, it's it's for you to a kill, isn't it? Yeah. No, not, not it, it, oh. it, it, you, When you've got James, you know, James Bond. Like, what was he? How old was Roger Moore? Then sixty-seven. Sixty. Something? Yeah. Something. He was old. And then at the end, (laughs) you know, at the end, he's kind of, you know, he's with someone who is literally young enough to be his grand. And you watch him thinking, oh, please, God, it's not as bad.
1: Um, Yeah, what's the film? Uh, Yeah, yeah. um, Where they are uh, Uh, with the ice rink, uh, the ice skating girl. Oh, yeah, that's pretty bad as well.
0: Now you think about it, it's a bit creepy. Yeah. I really hope something nothing comes out bad about Roger Moore now that he's dead. Because <laughs> that will ruin Bond for me. <laughs> It'll make those Bond films even more creepier. Oh, uh, good old
1: Roger.
0: See, what was, what's the other one as well, which really is disturbing? Um, it's the second Dalton film. Um, is it *Licensed to Kill? Licence to Kill is the second when, one, yeah. Yeah, when it's Felix's marriage. And he's yes. literally, and it looks like this poor girl is like, look, just marry him, and the debt will be paid off. <laughs> it's truly, I've watched it quite recently, and I was just like, oh my god, this is all that poor girl. You know, you can just imagine, look, you know, her dad's some sort of gambling degenerate, and he's like, look, please, we can keep the house. You just hmm. have to marry him. It's, it's awful. <laughs> uh-huh. It's just, but no, but yeah, it, going back to this, it is one of those where you're thinking, what, what are you doing round? And it's he's, he's mock humbleness as well. You know, yeah. he's, he's literally just, you know, holding his hat in front of him and it's just a simple soldier's life. And
1: do you want to it's get married? Don't Didn't people do dating in those days? I don't know. I mean, it feels like this character is meant to be quite much younger than Richard Winmark. And it feels like uh, just a serious miscasting uh, on that part as well as Jimmy Stewart's part, I think.
0: No, most certainly. And I mean, the other character I have an issue is you know, the larger soldier, who yeah. is literally private joker it, it's Ugh. just it, it's just again I know
1: humour was different in those days and I know audience he was in, he was in The searches as well and I don't know if it works that much better but it, he feels much more contained in The searches. he doesn't have such a huge role yeah uh, but here he feels just forced in
0: yeah I yeah it was it, again it was just terrible and it's like you know the sort of the dopey music that plays when he's on and yeah Yeah, it didn't, again, it didn't really work for me. I think that about covers my my thoughts on two together. Yeah, definitely. I I think in summary, for me, really, I I just feel that this is a film that it's confused, it's messy, and it doesn't do what I want it to do. And it it, it doesn't have enough of one thing or another to make it truly interesting for me. If possibly I was going to do a massive John Ford um, marathon one day then, you know, I might go back to it. But sadly, I mean, this is the other thing, just from a pure visual point of view, I can't even say that you're mm-hmm. going to get a treat here. You can, there's, there's, there's there, you know, give me Monument Valley again. You know, give yeah. me something, show me something at the very least that will make me interested in this film. Mm-hmm. And sadly, it didn't come. And again, I, I just found it tonally so imbalanced. Um, I found the performances Jarring. I mean, is it all right to say that I'm not a huge? I mean, I'm not a massive Jimmy Stewart fan. I like him in some things, but in this, I was just like, "You're the wrong person for this film." I think he is so much better in the man that shot Liberty Valance. I mean, mean, when you see, like, obviously, when when Ford's got a script and a film that he wants to make, what he gets out of Stewart is completely different. Here, I think he's been given free reign to sort of yeah, just just do what you want, Jimmy. Yeah, that's Mm. fine.
1: Yeah, I mean, it feels slapped together and the visual style for me is blatantly ugly uh, and the cartoon style acting and caricature of Indians and this flippant treatment of these serious themes and intercut with these like ridiculous fight scenes uh, I mean for me it's one of the lowest uh, points for Ford's career in the ones I've seen so far so
0: Mm. Um, what, 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 yeah. What's it doing in the Master's Cinema Collection, do you think? Is it I because mean, it's available?
1: I would... Uh, it's, uh, of course, it's hard to say. I mean, um, it is a John Ford film. It is a Western. Uh, it does attract some interest, I would say. I was quite looking forward to it when it first mm-hmm. arrived. but it's the same as yeah. So uh, perhaps it, they thought it would sell on name alone. Um, I mean it, it isn't a complete failure there are some interesting bits in it but I, I do think that uh, on its own it doesn't really merit it. is that the right yeah. word uh, it doesn't invite me to want to watch it again and put in more thought into it
0: yeah no for sure it's a, it's a strange one um, but yeah it, an oddity is I guess for someone somewhere, Mm -hmm. they might Yeah, If you're a massive John Ford fan, yeah, you you, you might go for it. But yeah, um, Cheyenne Autumn, let's get that there. uh, Yeah, definitely. Uh,
1: And uh, more Anthony Mann films, I would say. For sure. uh, As well. For sure. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Okay, so that about wraps it up for this time. Um, What about yourself and your podcast? What have you got going on? Um, I'm going to be
0: releasing an episode quite soon on Detroit and another film called In God's Country and a look at the Ronin Blu-ray release as well, which was ah, weird a film? Yes, which was, it's just been re-released on Blu-ray and it kind of made me dead, dead nostalgic actually because it was one of the first three DVDs I ever bought. Mm-hmm. And I must have watched it about 30 times just <laughs> because it was a DVD. So I was interested to see, because I heard someone describe it as a classic.
1: Hmm.
0: And I was thinking, I like, don't recall it being a classic. So I'm going to go back and have a look at that. So yes, that's in the works. And the Bond as well, I've actually recorded.
1: I've been watching Bond again, so hopefully get that fired up. So Nice. Um, we have another episode uh, in the works uh, soon. So uh, it won't be another, what has it been? three months or something yes yeah, it's been a while yes <laughs> yeah it's been a while but we'll try to get back in uh, back in shape and back in schedule uh, as we always say but uh, this time we really mean it <laughs> definitely so um, you can find us at um, Master Cinema Cast uh, on Twitter and Facebook and um, moccast.blogspot.com and also Criterion Cast of course uh, they've been quite prolific you know, on their feed and we pop yeah, up from time to time so yeah we definitely get back get on it, it. Yeah. Uh, so thank you for joining me, Tom. Thank you. And thank you, listener, for putting time in. And until next time, bye bye.